What's the best case scenario for Auburn football's fall camp? We'll tell you on today's Locked on Auburn. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am, I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked on Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Happy War Report Wednesday to all of you who celebrate Mike G of the War Report. Joining us as he does every single Wednesday. And Mike G, we got the email from the Auburn SIDs about media availability throughout uh, fall camp. And we'll actually, we'll actually get to see some folks on Friday. They're giving us 20 minutes out there with them. I cannot wait. It'll feel real when that happens. But leading up to fall camp, there's a million different storylines. We've touched on them a ton over the last few weeks. But one angle we have not hit on, the best case scenario and the worst case scenario for each position group as far as how fall camp could progress for them. We'll start with quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. I think, Mike G, the best case scenario for the Auburn quarterback room and for the Auburn team is for whoever's name starter to be named starter as early as possible. Give all those first team reps to one guy. Let them gel with this new receiving core that is emerging. I think there's a ton of upside when you approach it that way. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think um, best case scenario is somebody takes the job early in camp. As little drama as possible and then start game planning for week one. Yep. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that a quarterback battle deep into fall camp benefits the team at all. So best case, yes, mm-hmm. uh, somebody stands out early. Um, and they commit to that, and then maybe your biggest decision is deciding who's back, who the backup is. Okay. But yes, ag- agreed. And I think worst case is if they take a long time, and it's back and forth between Calzada and Finley or, and Raul Thorabi Ashford in there as well, that's the worst case because I think that means no one is reaching out and grabbing it, right? Yeah, I mean, the, sun sh- the sunshine pumpy version of that is, is that they all look great, and you just can't decide. You can right? say that in the spring, Mike G. You cannot. You cannot say it in the fall. Right. So I don't think the decision should be that hard. But you're right. That is the, the worst case is, to me, I agree that, you know, there's still a serious battle going on uh, by mid-second week in fall camp. Yeah. And you haven't decided on anybody uh, because that means that nobody has stood out and mm-hmm. our Prospects at quarterback may not be as hopeful as we thought. Right, right. So uh, I think that answers that. Let's move to the position that will be receiving the handoffs. Running back. Obviously, take yeah. Bixby, Jarquez Hunter. I, I think the storyline is, is after those two guys. Both best case and worst case. I think it starts and ends with Damari Austin. Either Damari Austin performs and... Proves to the coaching staff, hey, I can be that third running back and potentially third down back, even though I think that's going to go to Jarquez Hunter, but the third running back in the rotation or not. Look, I like Sean Jackson. Super pumped that he is on scholarship. But you want the upside of Damari Austin on the field. If he is going to be the guy that we think he can be, he needs to find a way to get on the field. And I think that happens over the next few weeks in fall camp. 
Uh, yeah, I disagree. Okay. I think best case scenario is we don't need him this year at all. Ooh. Okay. We don't need Demar Elson this year at all. Uh, this staff is giving me old school Tuberville vibes when good players would come in and redshirt and they would save the year of on-year eligibility and give those guys a chance to catch up to the speed of the game at the college level. I think Damari Alston is supremely talented. Mm. You and I both know that one of the biggest reasons freshman running backs don't start is pass protection. Sure. Um, you can't put them on the field and them not know their assignment in pass protection and get your quarterback killed. Uh, I think that you have two guys who you know are veterans at that position. Uh Demari Austin taking any kind of significant role to me may signal that somebody got injured. I hope Tank stays healthy. Uh, I hope Jarquez stays healthy. Both yeah. those guys had kind of the offseason things, man. So um, I think best case scenario, you know, Demari it comes in with the next wave of Auburn Tigers, the Holdens, the Jay Fairs, those those kids. Okay, uh, I think that's an interesting take. So, but what does that look like in fall camp to you? It's just He's the third guy or the fourth guy, whether it's him or Sean Jackson or um, maybe it's Jordan Ingram. Whoever it is, you think they just kind of do what they need to do, but all, all the hype and all the reports are about Tank and Jarquez. Is that kind of what you think fall camp yeah. will look like? The best case scenario, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah I think okay. that it looks like it normally looks for a guy who is got promise but is not. there's not a plan for him to see the field this year. And I think that that means that you know, he gets some snaps, not a significant amount, but, mm-hmm. you know, just a few just to see just in case anybody gets injured during fall camp as well, too. That's something that we have to keep an eye on to make sure everybody makes it through fall camp healthy. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think that we're going to hear a lot from Damari Alston in this fall camp, Zach. I okay. think it's going to be pretty quiet on that front, though. I like him. I like his upside. But Who, I, Who's I third think... in touches among running backs this year? Who's what? Who's third in touches among running backs third this year? Yep. Count of receptions and handoffs. I'm leaning. I'm leaning Sean Jackson. Okay. I'm leaning Sean Jackson, but that's only under the assumption that Tank and Jarquez stay healthy the entire season. Mm-hmm. If one of those guys gets hurt, I could see Demar jumping in and somehow grabbing a more significant role. I gotcha. I gotcha. Right. Um, any chances Jordan Ingram in your mind? No. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but not really. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of outside out of mind for me. So, like, I, I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it with Jordan Ingram. Got it. Um, let's move to tight end next. I think the best thing that we could hear with tight end is you hear guys outside of John Samuel Shanker stepping up, and I think worst case is you just hear about John Samuel Shanker. Yeah, uh, agreed there as well, too. This is widely believed to to be one of the most talented tight end rooms in the SEC coming into this year. Uh, John Samuel Shanker himself told us that we should watch out for Tyler Fromm. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you've got him in there. Um, He told us uh, at Media Days, he told us Brandon Frazier is the guy Mm -hmm. that nobody's talking about. Yeah, I mean, those that's a confident room. That's a really confident room. And ideally to me, you have Shanker, you have your veteran, and then you have Fromm step up and take the next step at tight end. And, and again, you keep that pipeline of young guys coming up behind that, you know, we're not asking them to save our passing game, but they have time to develop mm-hmm. and, and come into the speed of the game. And then when it's their turn, they take over. That's how you begin a pipeline of greatness at any school, right? <laughs> yeah, no, there's no question about it. So 
yeah, I think the tight end room is pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. There's just so much talent there. It's just, can the offense use it like it did a year ago? I certainly think that they should be able to do that. All right, coming up, offensive line, best case and worst case scenario for that group. My best case scenario, Mike G, is something that I would have probably said was the worst case a year ago, and I'll explain why in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the best place to wager on all of your sports action coming up this season. And look, it's a slow time of the year. If you're not a Major League Baseball person, it is a slow time of year. If you're into ultimate fighting, though, uh, they've got all of your combat sports covered. But right now, I just like looking at futures. And occasionally, they'll drop a game, and I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. They gave, they're gave they giving them four and a half. I wonder why. And, you know, it kind of give me an excuse to go look at that matchup. But it's fun. Go check it all out. Make your deposit. Everything. Get ready for the season, folks. It'll be here before you know it. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Mike G. Talking about best case and worst case scenario for the offensive line. Last year, I actually think I did this show. May have been with you. I don't know. But I I said the worst case scenario was a bunch of mixing and matching along the offensive line. Yeah. This year, I want to hear that. I want to see it, and I want to hear the reports, especially early, that there's a bunch of mixing and matching along the offensive front. These guys know how to play together. If it's the same group that we all think it's going to be, this group knows how to play with each other. Uh, Brahms next to Council and, and Keandre Jones and, and Zaire. And then, you know, the right tackle spot, if it's Troxel, you know, it is what it is. But I want to see as many different options as possible because I just think, one, I think there's a lot of injury concerns along the offensive front. So you need depth, you need versatility. And also, maybe they find something, Mike G., because I think if they roll out a similar offensive line to what they did a year ago, it was fine. It was fine. But if this team believes they can go out and go 9-3 and three or 10-2, and two, they've got to do something different than they did up front a year ago. Mm. Um, I have mixed feelings about that best case. Sure. Uh, because mixing and matching does mean injury, <laughs> right? Um, I think the best case scenario is reports out of fall camp is that Nick Brahms is a monster and a man who refuses to be denied. We need that guy to step up. I don't, I think Auburn's offensive line will go as he goes. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, again, your center is kind of like a second quarterback on the field to some extent. Right. And you need those guys to step up and, 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 and have cohesion. He's the quarterback of that offensive line, so to speak. Right. So he's calling out protections. He's, yeah. you know, they're doing they're doing what they need to do so that we can have good communication along that line and guys can play in their natural position and we can start to develop some depth behind them in right. terms of the backups. Right. So that's what I want to see. I want to I want to see guys. I want to see guys out and I want to see their backups, you know, step up and get some experience, some on field experience so we can start to develop depth on offensive line is still a major concern in recruiting right now. Totally. So, yeah. uh, you know, they've got about four guys that they're trying to, they, they want to come back and um, you know, they're going to have to combine uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the new recruits with the, some portal guys to try to get some version of this, but best case scenario, everybody stays where the hell they're at. Yeah. And they play well. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think they need to try to find a spark, especially the tackles. It sounds like they found their left tackle with Zaire, yeah. but the right tackle spot. I, I just try as much as you possibly can. And if it's Troxel, it's Troxel. 
Right. Um, I just think we all kind of know. I, I think he is a known value, and I don't think it's his fault, but like injuries have been a big part of his career, which really stinks. I hate it for him, dating back even to high school. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, and Nick Brahms, limited action with Zach Calzada. Obviously, that's something that's going to be important. You talk about the importance of the center position. Um, their, their chemistry and timing will be will be important for sure. All right, let's go to the wide receiver position, wrap up the offense. I think best case scenario is you hear one specific player emerge and just ruin it for everybody else. I, I think that is the best case scenario because, look, we've said it a, to- a, a thousand times on this show, and Mike G, you've agreed. Auburn has a bunch of number two and number three wide receivers. We got to find that number one guy in the passing attack. I think it's Coy Moore. I think you're high on Coy Moore as well. Coy Moore for everybody. Best case scenario for the Auburn wide receiver room is everything is about Coy Moore. That's it. That's it. Uh, okay. All right. I feel that. Uh, my best case scenario is... I got more passionate about that than I realized halfway through. My apologies. <laughs> right. I, 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 I no, I'm not that. apologizing for it. I'm not apologizing for uh, my love of Coy Moore. Listen, I think the best case scenario for this wide receiver room is that, to nobody's surprise, Malcolm Johnson emerges as the deep threat that we've all hoped for to take the top off the defense. You're talking about a 10-second, 100-meter guy. He's Uh got track speed. I'm having lunch with him today. Uh, You're going to... It's, it's going to it's going to it's going to be amazing to see this guy. That's a true story. I'm having lunch with Malcolm today. Um, Are but, you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, he so, in your area of? Yes. Interesting. Yes. In the DMV area, so we're going to sit down and have some lunch. Why but, is he? <laughs> okay, go <laughs> ahead. His folks live. His folks live here. I don't want to put his business out, but Got uh, it. he's home, and uh, we I scheduled some time to sit down with him. And, Did you and, tell him? Were you him. like? Were you like? I love you. I'm taking him to the finest TGI Fridays in Alexandria. Sweet. uh, Get those potato skins. We're going to talk about it. But I think that having a deep threat emerge will, you know, somebody who Zach Calzada can throw the ball up to and just go get it. Right. Some guy, a guy you can't out throw. Um, If, you know, put some air under it, let Malcolm go get it. Let him, we saw a glimpse of that early last season, but we just never got the chance to see him do that consistently. I think that he is that guy. And then part of my best case is, is your best case is Coy Moore goes nuts on everybody. Thousand yards for you. A thousand yards. Yes. Coy Moore season. He said in his war report interview, he said, listen, Kayshawn Boutte is nice, but I'm better than him. Whew! For sure, for sure. Let's he said go. it with his chest, Zach, and I, I felt it in my bones, and I think that that is the best-case scenario for this, this wide receiver room is that he comes in and dominates the way that he, he says he can. And, it you know, again, a guy who draws double teams, yep, right, leaves a lot of other guys one-on-one, and if those guys can win their matchups, Auburn's passing game can surprise a lot of people this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sold right now that there's a guy on this team that you consistently double-team yet. Coy Moore's got Coy Moore can do it. He's got to prove mm-hmm. it. Malcolm Johnson Jr. can do it. He's got to prove it. Javaris yep. Johnson could do it. He's got to prove it. So there's mm-hmm. talent. There's so much, um, so much ability on this team. Um, defensive line is an easy one. They didn't rotate as much as I thought they would a year ago. Right. Um, well, Jimmy Brumbaugh changed that. Well, you know, do new leadership on the defensive side of the ball changed that because it certainly seemed like they had the guys last year. They certainly have the guys this year in the depth there. So, mm-hmm. um, I want to see a bunch of different guys rotating in and out. That that's that that to me is the best case, and I think worst case, um, 
is, I guess, the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, D-line is our worst case is what you could say for any position is that somebody gets hurt in ball camp. Yeah. You can say that for any of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's right. take injuries um, out of all this. Yeah. I think I don't see a lot of worst cases for this defensive line. I think it's going to be one of the, the strengths of our team. It has uh, to be. I think it's going to be if it's, if it's not, if it's not, we're in trouble. Or yeah, we're in trouble. Yeah. But uh I like this defensive line. I think that they're going to do a lot of damage this season. Um, you know, uh, we have just got um we've got a lot of talent on defense. I think that they were completely underrated last year. I think some of their accomplishments got overshadowed yeah. by our offensive struggles, mm-hmm. right? But the truth is, is is that if we could have, we could have, we could, uh, if we could have played keep away just a little bit more, they might have looked a lot better than they did. Uh, you know, they they show glimpses of greatness last year, right. and you've got Eku and Derek, and you know, and 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 all these guys that just have a chance to be like high impact guys. Uh, nope. You know, quietly Emba is still in there. We're hearing crazy things from him out of yeah. fall camp and things that he's doing physically. Uh, I think they're going to rotate a lot of guys this year. Um, you know, it's kind of been a staple of the Auburn defense and right. they, you know, stop the run, you know, stop guys from getting to the second level in the run game. The D line man has a chance to dominate and without in, in the absence of Roger McCurry, getting pressure on the quarterback to ease some pressure on your defensive backs mm-hmm. I think will be super important. Yeah, and, so. and linebackers too, for sure. Mm-hmm. The um, I've got a take, and I wanted to do a full show on this, or at least a couple segments, but mm-hmm. I was going to do it yesterday, and Charlie Five shot it down, so I'm not going to do a segment out of it, but I'm going to bring it up to you. Um, everybody's talking about how Derek Hall and Ekuliota are the tandem to, to watch. Okay. I don't think that's correct. Okay. I, I don't think they're the duo to watch. Uh, I love Aculiota. Absolute unit. The 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 duo to watch on the defensive line is Derek Hall and Colby Wooden. And it, it, it's always been that way, and it and nothing has changed. Other players around them have gotten better, mm. but this defensive line is about Derek Hall and Colby Wooden. Hmm. Could I have done a show uh, on that? I think I could have. I really yeah, think I could have done a show on that. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I that's not a take I can disagree with. Thank you. Thank you. That's not, that's not a take I can disagree with. Although I am expecting big things from Eku this year. Dude, and he, he, again, other guys can step up because other dudes are getting the focus. Like that. Correct. Like that. That that was going to be one of my branches yeah. that I was going to discuss. I, but well, I mean, I'm just glad apparently not good Derek. enough for a segment. So, I, well, I'm I'm just glad you left Derek Hall in there. Now, you and I both stood next to Derek Hall at media days. Mm-hmm. These guys, big boy, got on some. Oh, whew, man, listen that. That Pittman strength and offseason strength and conditioning program. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not big, but I'm I'm 6'2, 230, and I felt small next to him. I felt tiny next to this guy. He and actually he I, actually called me an ant. Yeah. Did he really? No. <laughs> okay, I was gonna wow. How did that go? I was like, Derek, you're with me next. He's like, okay, you ant. Sit, sit down, you piss ant. Right. <laughs> so I think that these guys have a chance to dominate. I like Derek Hall. I mean, he looked us in the eye at media days and said, I'm going to set the single season record for sacks at Auburn this year. And and the belief these guys have in themselves is really hard to bet against them. You know, I think he's got the physical gifts. And um, there's enough on tape to suggest that he's capable of that. So let's let's see what he can do. I like like this unit a lot. Another segment I was working on is, um, and I probably shouldn't have used all these, but that's fine. Um, another segment I'm working on is a hot take that Derek Hall will have more sacks this season than Will Anderson. 
Ooh. Now, okay, I'm not so saying he's been... better, and I'm not saying he will impact the game more. I'm just saying sacks. Um, somebody asked me if there was a chance that Derek Hall could get drafted ahead of Will Anderson. No, not a chance. Right, and I told him Barring said, injury, no way. Yeah, barring injury, it would be really tough because a lot of those draft, I don't know, you put, I mean, uh, your draft position sometimes follows team success. And you I don't know, even Alabama. think it's that. I think it's a traits thing. I mean, Will Anderson's a better football player. Yeah, well, he, he's better we'll in see. space. He can do more. I'm not saying just a pure pass rusher, but I'm just right saying it's now like, he is. But sure. by the time it's time for the draft, let's see what Derek Hall can do. I, I like I like Derek. I think he has a chance to improve his stock a whole lot this year. Um, you know, and you know, we'll, we'll see. I, like I said, I mean, uh, Will Anderson has a lot of good football players playing around him. You know, and it kind of it accentuates his talents a little bit more because he gets to play free. Everybody knows their assignment, right? Uh, Auburn, I think. You know, I'm interested to see how Pittman is going to run this thing this year, man. And if he can get Derek in the right positions, I don't know about getting drafted before Will Anderson, but like I could see him making a jump up into the, he's got first round ability. Derek Hall has first round ability. Yeah. Whether he gets taken in the first round or not, you know, will, will largely depend on the results of the season, but he definitely has first round ability. Yeah. I mean, he's been mocked like mid teens to early 20s kind of thing is what mm-hmm. I'm seeing. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Uh, Mike G, our guest on this War Rapport Wednesday. Coming up, we move to linebackers. And yeah, I'm probably too high on this one kid. And Mike G will tell me that in just a moment right here on Locked On Auburn. Want to encourage you folks to sign up for the Locked On Auburn Discord. It is free. All you need to do is click the episode description down below, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast app. Mike G, before you tell me I'm wrong about the linebackers. How can people check out everything you got going on? Go over to the War Report. Hit hit subscribe before we release our Koi Moore interview. If you are not excited about Auburn football, you will be after you watch this interview. That's all I'm going to say. War Report, YouTube, Koi Moore next Koi Thursday. Moore. Our patrons already have this interview, but man, like Koi I was, Moore forever. I I was ready to run through a wall after talking to him. I think you will be too. Don't miss this one. Yeah, be sure to check it out. Be sure to check it out. Just search The War Report on YouTube and subscribe. All right. We all love Owen, right? Okay. I think think best case is you find a way to put Eugene Asante on the field. I think think there is a reason they went out to get him. Obviously, Mm -hmm. depth was a big part of it. It's a huge part of it. Um, But I think there is a solid chance that he beats out Cam Riley, Wesley Steiner. He's my guy. He is my guy on defense where I'm like, I think this guy is going to prove people wrong. Uh, yeah, it's, this is why, one of the reasons why I think this defense projects a lot better than people may think at this point. Okay. Uh, I agree with you. Eugene Asante gets on the field is a best case scenario for this linebacker. Um, core. I think that, you know, for a guy that you went out and get for him to come in and prove that he, deserve snaps from game one mm-hmm. is a good thing. I think right. it's a good thing for this team. I think that the other guys are a little bit more developmental and it's okay to give them time to develop and let a guy like this come in. If he is game one ready uh, by the start of, you know, uh, game prep week. Now I think so, some of the concern though, and, and I agree some of the guys I think are more developmental, but like Wesley Steiner, it's like, if he's not going to play this year, when's he going to play? Like that, right. I, I think that's a, that's a big question. 
extremely athletic. It's just like, why has this guy not been on the field yet? So he's a guy I'm certainly rooting for. Then obviously the physical traits of Cam Riley. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, 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 that's something easy to pull for too. So um, really, really good spot. I get a lot of comments and texts and messages on the, on the discord about Wesley Woodyard, the, mm-hmm. um, the, the true freshman linebacker that we flipped from Alabama on signing day. And that he's very good or he will be very good, but I, I, I just don't think he's a, uh, I don't think he's going to be a plug and play guy. I'm not saying that he can't be. I'm just saying, I think the guys in front of him are more proven. I think that's all that is. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with guys coming in a little bit more mature and developed after they've had a chance to sit and absorb the system and adjust mm-hmm. to the college game. I, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think that's how the better schools are doing it. Um, you know, the only guys who are coming in and plugging in game one are your true phenoms, right? Um, but you know, the necessity of plugging in first and second year guys, I think maybe says that you don't have talent and you're reaching for these new guys to come save your football program. Auburn has got to get out of that yep. mode. So, right. um, I agree with you on Asante, um, in the linebacker core. All right. Last one defensive backs. Mm. I think this is similar to my offensive line take. I want to see as many of them with a starting defense as possible because they mm. are all going to play this season. Get them as many reps as possible. Yeah. Also, oh, cool. J- Jalen Simpson is about to just own everyone. That's about to happen, too. Except, yeah, uh, except for Coinmore. He's such an underrated tackler, but like, according to sources, Nehemiah Pritchett is the fastest guy on the team. That's valuable. That's good. Right, and but it's like if you, yo, you need can, a guy who can close. Mm-hmm. You need, if you have a guy who can close distance between him and a wide receiver, I mean, we've got speed in that in that defensive backfield. Uh, you've got uh, short tacklers. I think that you know, Roger McCurry has huge shoes to fill, but the, the guys seem to think that they, as a unit, they have the, the guys to do it. Now, you also have Marquise Gilbert coming in. We'll see what he can do. Right. Um, number one, Juco uh, safety or corner. Um, you've got uh, Keontae Scott. I'm not sure he's on campus yet, but, you know, he should be coming. Um, And you've got kids there who, you know, I don't, like I said, I like our defensive backfield prospects. Like them a lot. I do. Mm -hmm. You know, between Simpson and Pritchett and some of the other guys that are are back there, I I really like that, that back, that defensive backfield. I think they could do some damage. Yep. Of course, CJ James is back there as well. Mm -hmm. And we all know, we all know Mike G, the DJ has got us falling in love again. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. One more time. How can people find you, hear you, love you, uh, all those things? Head on over to YouTube. Uh, we got some great things going on. We're a month out from the season, so uh, we're getting into our preparation for our fall content schedule. You don't want to miss it. We're going to have lots of great stuff, lots of great guests, lots of analysis over at the World War Four. Search, hit subscribe. Absolutely. Hey, and hit subscribe here. Would really, really appreciate all of that. Tomorrow is a Cruden Thursday with Sports Illustrated's John Garcia Jr. What is the national perspective on Big Cat? What does he think about some of the potential flips coming up? Can't wait to get his thoughts on every single bit of it. That'll be tomorrow. All of our written works at auburndaily.com. And we'll see you tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn.